0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Curry House. This is episode 92, where we're going to delve into The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, the Ray Harryhausen classic. I am joined tonight by co-host Paul, who has actually seen this film. Paul, how are you doing tonight? (laughs) I'm good.
1: I, I don't know that you're surprised that I've seen this film. It's just...
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, normally when I pitch a bad movie... Not a bad movie. We'll just call it a black and white movie, something without CGI, mind you. <clears throat> Paul doesn't always watch these films when we do the movie review. <laughs> you could accuse him of looking on Wikipedia every once in a while, but but that's hearsay. That's gossip. You know, we're not going to we're not going to belittle Paul like that. Yeah, only, it's right here. <laughs> Paul is flashing his copy <laughs> of Adams*. Not only has he seen this film, he owns this film because it's that good. But before we delve any further into this topic we're going to start out this episode with everybody's favorite pun what have kaiju been up to paul what have kaiju been up to
1: joe i have been reading your book well not your book sorry joe isn't published thank you not published yet yet. and i have continued my journey through the aliens films and i'm now reading about alien three which i think is probably the most interesting film of all
0: it is from a production standpoint. That yeah, the movie underwent so much revision
1: because I mean I I've seen the film and then years after seeing I Rise, there's then the director's cut of the film, which was like half an hour longer. Cut
0: is better.
1: Yes, so much better. But even before that, there was there's a whole other story that was completely different, but kind oh, of yeah. the same. And it's just like I had I didn't know anything about this previous film, so apparently it was going to be set on a wooden planet like a wooden asteroid. It's a small rock. And some monks from Earth came and colonised this planet and built it with wood. So Ripley would have still landed on a planet with no weapons. It -hmm. still would have had the religious overtones, but it would have been wooden rather than all the metallic. So it's such a different look. And they had even started to build some of this set, like this massive wooden library was constructed and then torn down. Because they changed their minds, they got. Um, I think the studio just got a bit cold feet and said, "Actually, let's stick with the the metal and you know, let's not go too too astray." Um, and interestingly, there's going to be a. They scene still on-
0: went astray, though.
1: Well, they did, and it, I mean, I would prefer the monks to, a, a, you know, murderers and rapists. I don't know why they had to go that dark, but that's um, that's something different. But there, there's going to be a scene on the lake, so you would have had the aliens swimming underwater in Alien Three as well, so. I, was, I thought it was fascinating finding out, and they had lots of um, obviously art in this in this picture book. So I got to see all the sketches that they had originally planned for the film. It was really cool. So yeah, I think I I think I know all I had about Alien and Aliens, but Alien Three was just like, oh, this is a lot of information I don't know. So yeah, very exciting. I will, to always, read that. I,
0: I, I will repeatedly call out Aliens Earth War as perhaps one of my favorite bits of Alien. Um, storyline, which continues with Ripley, Newt, and Hicks. And I think that storyline was perfectly fine. And the reason that I immediately, immediately hated Alien 3 is because they killed Newt.
1: Well, maybe they could do a sequel to Aliens, because they do that nowadays, don't they? They just say, forget was a films. I think happened. it was
0: Neil Blomkamp that was actually going to yes. direct he a was, new alien it. film, and it was going to completely ignore Resurrection and Alien Three, and just go right off the back of Aliens.
1: Yeah, he should have they done. were just going
0: to retcon the whole thing. And there was there was like production was more or less started. There was concept art, all that stuff. But I think it got pulled the plug. Um, I think Disney might have had other plans or something like I that. I think
1: yeah, because Prometheus or Covenant or <clears> something, they decided actually let's go the prequel route rather than a sequel.
0: Yeah, well, I mean those Ridley Scott films were obviously amazing, right? Yes. Sure. But we will not belittle them (laughs) because Ridley Scott is an artist. Anywho. Yeah. And
1: speaking of aliens, I've been playing an aliens video game. So rather than the spooky alien isolation, which was just awesome and terrifying, I've been playing aliens fire team, which is a three-player squad shooter. So now there's hundreds of Xenomorphs and they, of course, they can't just have the Xenomorphs. They've had to make them up. So there's ones with exploding heads. There's ones that spit at you. And it's just a load of fun. It's There's no like cut scenes. The story is all in text where you pick up some intel, have a chat with someone at the base, and they'll tell you the story. But I play it on a Monday night and it's just a great way to chill. Have a chat with some friends, shoot some Xenomorphs. Yeah, it's awesome. I recommend I, uh... the game
0: i played aliens versus predator for ps3 that was the last alien alien game that i played and that was just really enjoyable i really i really liked how they integrated all three uh storylines there was a marine a predator and an alien storyline they all intersect they all cross each other's paths they all end up alive but on their own separate storylines at the end of the story i thought it was cool. I still have that game. I thought it was fantastic fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, mean, most of the Alien games are at least good. There's not many bad ones. And and Alien Isolation is terrifying. So if you want a true horror, go for that. But the rest are just shooters and and just
0: lots of fun. I've seen some clips from Alien Isolation. That looks like a nerve-wracking game, to be fair. Yeah,
1: it is. And if you play it, I played it on the... It's
0: like playing Doom or something.
1: Doom wasn't scary. Play... (laughs) I played alien isolation on the PS4 with the camera. So you can have the camera on there, um, like on your TV stand, or whatever, and it'll track your motion. So when in the game you're hiding from the xenomorph, you can physically lift your head up or around and it will do mm-hmm. it in the game. So you're sneaking, you're actually physically moving to see where the alien is. And it also monitors sound. So if if you make a noise, the alien will hear you and come for you. So you can't play the game if you've got kids around because the alien will just charge at you.
0: Aliens but don't like kids. No. Good to know.
1: <laughs> but it was a novel thing. It was fun. And um, one one last thing, and I know you're probably going to say, what am I on about? I watched Jackass Forever, which you may say, come on, Paul. Oh,
0: we don't swear.
1: Come we on. don't. How does that have anything to do with kaiju? But it doesn't really. it does. The latest Jackass film. No, the opening scene is... Is Matt a Frank is going to
0: listen to this episode and go, guys, I've really had it with you. <laughs> I, that is not a I, kaiju. He got on us about the Power Rangers thing, Paul. We really are trying I know. to that ice.
1: Well, we don't even have to say kaiju. It's, it's um, there is a giant lizard attacking a city. Because, you know, Jackass is all about stunts. So why not have a creature attacking the city, things blowing up, and people getting hurt in the stunts? Because that's all it is. So at like the opening five minutes, Johnny Knoxfield's feels the general ordering like, to attack this. Um, I should say this, actually. Have you heard the expression, drain the lizard? Paul. Oh. You can imagine a giant lizard. Kids do not watch, adults, no watch it. Jackass. Adults, watch it. It's hilarious.
0: Adults, don't let, don't let your kids listen to this part of the otherwise <laughs> wholesome podcast that we have planned tonight.
1: Oh, it was so funny. So funny.
0: It probably wasn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just thinking of just think just think about a giant listen <clears throat> painted painted oh green it's, it's hilarious i loved it me and my wife watched it together and we thought it was funny and she just loved that the opening scene to a film she picked was a Godzilla reference anyway anyway um I, I don't know if while we're here do you want to talk about the announcement of Godzilla 2 sorry Godzilla vs Kong 2 would you want to leave that for another day
0: Oh, I think we should talk about it. We should totally talk about it. Okay. So, so we're getting folks, a Godzilla
1: versus Kong, too. Not, I was surprised well, at that.
0: So, this film was leaked basically the the uh, fact that we're getting a Godzilla versus Kong sequel, we'll call it that. Yes. So another sequel, yeah. Monsterverse movie. This was leaked following uh, booking reports coming from Australia. It's going to be filmed along Australia's Gold Coast. So, at some point, we're going to have a tropical setting. And Australia isn't necessarily the cheapest place to film, so likely there is some kind of plot element that is revolving around Australia. Now, outside of this, Apple TV has confirmed that there will be a MonsterVerse series. Yep. So we're getting a whole bunch of MonsterVerse continuation. This is great to hear, but to go off and say that this is a direct Godzilla versus Kong sequel, we don't know that yet. We're not going to speculate on that, but you're getting another MonsterVerse movie it looks like it is going to be taking place in Australia. Whether or not the plot will reflect an Australian vibe, we do not know, but I personally suspect that it will, because again, Australia is not the least expensive place to shoot. So there we are.
1: Okay, so it's it's not confirmed as a Godzilla versus Kong Sequel it's just there are a, a few things Earth that are sequel. getting tossed
0: around. It's a Godzilla versus okay. Kong sequel. It's the Son of Kong. There's just a variety of different things, but all of it is speculation at this point. There are just a couple of big names throwing out their opinions, and a lot of people are taking it as gospel, but officially, no plot elements have been announced. Right.
1: And the TV series, which mm-hmm. is strangely based on Godzilla, is set directly after the 2014 Godzilla film,
0: Mm, now this i haven't been keeping up on
1: okay so yeah so it's it's to take take place straight after 2014 godzilla and it's following a family um who are trying to uncover some long buried secrets and um basically they're linked somehow to to the monarch to the secret organization that's been studying the the titans which seems an odd one because when they said tv series i think oh it's gonna be kong it's gonna be um hollow earth but like, oh, they don't have that
0: kind of budget to just throw around, mate. I'm sorry. Like, uh,
1: well, I mean, it could be like Terra Nova. <laughs> I was thinking, just kind of like
0: Terra was so bad.
1: Was it? I, I like that, <laughs> or I remember liking it.
0: They made up so much stuff for that show. Oh,
1: I don't, I don't care about that.
0: My scientific accuracy senses was going off. It was, it was, it was quite bad. Okay. Well, for, Anyways,
1: so for me, I don't, I don't care about the scientific accuracy. But never mind. anyway, Joe. Sorry, I've been waffling on now. Tell me, what have kind you been up to?
0: Joe has been drooling over the new uh, Defo Real Titanosaurus. If anybody wants to buy it for me, please do. It would be greatly appreciated. Um, What else I've been up to? I've watched The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms recently. That was great. Uh, My partner, Don, and I are eyeing the Velocipastor. That looks like brilliant entertainment. Unfortunately, though, Amazon, you don't have it here in the UK. You have it in America. VPN. yeah i'm gonna have to dredge up the old vpn for this one i was not impressed amazon you need to get on that also noticed on disney plus there is a beast and monsters section we need to find out who was responsible for coming up with that and get them on the podcast because we have some recommendations you can do better than luca luca was a great film but we can <laughs> my do kids
1: better. my kids did love luca Luca. Hell, I love not, Luca, not a kaiju.
0: Not a kaiju, to be fair, Matt. If you're listening, we'll acknowledge that Luca is not a kaiju. But um, yeah, uh, other things, other news. Tanis, which is a site in North Dakota, which has dinosaur significance, which we are dinosaur fans on this show. Um, finally, some of the images from this site have been released to the media outlets. This has been going since 2019, and why Tanis is so cool is it directly show some of the things that happened immediately after the impact in Chiksa Club, if i'm pronouncing that right which is the asteroid that hit earth 65 million years ago so there's a considerable amount of iridium on this site and then this general state that the fossils are in this site imply that this was the bad day that they got buried so what do i mean by that <clears throat> so The most dramatic image that's being shown in the media right now is a dinosaur leg. Now this leg has skin and muscle attached to it. It has been fossilized. The toe pads, the little beads on the bottom of the toe pads, those are still there on this fossil. It is fairly pristine. So when you look at this fossil and you dredge into the papers about it, um, which has been available for a little bit, it's kind of a dark image when you're looking at that leg. Because basically the blast, which took place in the Yucatan Peninsula, that's where the asteroid hit, the blast was so intense, the shockwave literally blew a dinosaur to pieces. And this leg has no evidence of predation, no special scarring or ripping around the edges or something like that. It was literally blown off whatever poor unfortunate dinosaur was around that day and nothing was around to eat it afterwards. It was likely cooked to a crisp, and that's why it was kind of like mummified to the state where nothing wanted to eat it and it fossilized quickly. So that leg is perfectly preserved. Something that they have not released a picture of was a turtle that was impaled by a bit of wood, which shows you both of those creatures were going, both of those creatures, both of those things were going at considerable speed or at least one was to make that happen. And then another really fascinating find was a pterosaur egg. So, pterosaurs are obviously the flying reptiles during the age of dinosaurs. Rodan, you know, is a cinematic example of that. So, this pterosaur egg, rather than being like a chicken egg where it's hard, it had the texture that it was actually leathery, like a sea turtle egg. So, because of the substrate that it was found, there's now speculation that pterosaurs may have buried their eggs like sea turtles, not necessarily on a beach, but you know, you get the general vibe. So that's an interesting thing to know. But the pterosaur embryo on the inside, its bones were so perfectly preserved because again, nothing's eating it. Instantaneous burial more or less. Um, The bones were so perfectly preserved that they were scanned layer by layer. And then scientists were able to use those files that they scanned to create a 3D print of that pterosaur. So Tannis, <clears throat> which is a, an apt nickname because it's a lost city. Um not implying that dinosaurs built a city, but this was certainly a bad day for them and they lost a lot on that day. It's a fantastic site and it gives a rare snapshot into prehistory. But as of today, the 7th of April, some of the images are being released to the media. And I think it's just, absolutely fabulous that we're getting to see these images one of the things that's also going to be coming out um David Attenborough has been involved for this for about three years now so there's going to be a special or something of the like where it goes into more depth about this but I just want to call out the paleontologist on site that dug up a lot of these fossils that's done a lot of the research and his name is Robert De Palma so That's the hero that's on the ground, and I think more people should know his name because obviously David Attenborough is very charismatic, and he's going to be in the television special, but Robert De Palma was the fella on the site working on it. So I've been reading up on that, and yeah, it's just uh, been fun times. Paul, you'll be delighted to know that our little boy has been watching Tremors. He has gotten through three of those films in very rapid succession. And he didn't write a letter or write it in, but he does have some questions. So shall we go to kaiju letters? Let's go. Yeah. So first of all, Paul, Charlie wants to know, do you think it was appropriate for them to call the mass blasters?
1: I despise that name. I'm not going to lie. I think that's that was the low point of Tremors. It's like, oh, a child named them. What I, I...
0: I'm just um, really glad that Charlie didn't ask me any further questions about that name. <laughs> I mean, we I mean, not sure like it it... Miguel died either. Oh, Miguel, poor Miguel. We liked Miguel. We did I mean, like Charlie. Miguel, yeah. He was he was not a fan. He was not a fan of that death. Uh he liked the shriekers, though. He thought that, yeah. that was pretty neat. He fantastic. he did. It was funny. He actually preempted um, one of the character's lines. He was just, "You mean a grab boy turns into that little thing?" And then the character said, "He's like, that's what I just said." <laughs> so it was a pretty wholesome moment. It was it was it was good fun to watch him discover those movies for the first time. So yeah, um, in other kaiju questions. We have been asked yep, okay. another versus question. Do we really want to get oh, into
1: this? I don't know. I mean, you can you can read it out.
0: Okay. Who would win in a fight? Draco from Dragonheart or the big male from Reign of Fire?
1: I'm going to say Reign of Fire just because I think it looks more badass, but I mean...
0: It's considerably larger than Draco, too. Let's go with that then. However, Draco's more maneuverable and he's more intelligent. He could use tools. Okay. I like Draco. I'm going to give it to good old Sean Connery and say Draco. Just, just, just to disagree with you, just because I'm not. Yeah, that, yeah you know? go with that. <laughs> and, um, in our final question, and I have a feeling that again i've 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 thrown out matt's name a few times in this episode but we have another write-in and i think that this is more to annoy matt than anything um is paul bunyan a kaiju and if he isn't is babe the blue ox No comment. i mean i'm sorry matt <laughs> but this is this is funny and the public has a right to discuss these important topics I mean,
1: I'm I'm beyond the point of caring. What's actually a kaiju? Or what isn't? I it's, no it's like problem. oh I know what I like. Okay, I, I know I like monster films. I don't care if it's classed as a kaiju or not.
0: It, it's <laughs> is, a monster. Is Paul Bunyan a monster? <laughs> is that? What is? we classified? Yeah, yeah. put it there. <laughs> yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing it from Joe. Paul Bunyan himself is not a kaiju. He was born <laughs> to regular human parents. That is what the myth says. However, the myth says it's true. I'm from the States. I can say these things. But um, I will, however, argue that there is a case for Babe, the Great Blue Ox, because he is non-human. He doesn't necessarily work to the advantage of a city. Uh, people have to adapt to him. He has odd characteristics, i.e., he is a giant blue sentient ox.
1: That's pretty strange.
0: Yeah, it's pretty strange. He's a large creature. Yep. And yep. then um, yeah he he is monstrous in a sense you know like um you know he, ox can be ornery. I, I will say a case can be made we 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 take a very liberal and open approach on this podcast we are very liberal aren't we? yeah we we are and um we we will say that the case can be made for Babe, but the jury is still out. You should totally write us in and let us know so that we can annoy Matt the next time he comes on the podcast and say that the people have spoken. Anyways, we will take our first break now, and when we come back, we are going to talk about the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, Ray Harryhausen's nineteen fifty three classic, and a joy of a film to watch.
1: Hello and welcome back to episode ninety two of Kaiju Curry House. It's myself. Smoky Joe talking the beast from twenty thousand fathoms. As Joe mentioned just before the break, this is a nineteen fifty three black and white movie, the first, I believe, where um, Ray Harryhausen did the special effects. It's it's a classic, isn't it, Joe? It's a classic.
0: Um, it is a classic, and it went on to inspire a whole genre yeah, of I've radioactive been, creatures.
1: That's it. I watching it today. If someone was to come in and say, I want to watch watch a monster film, I don't know if I could say, watch this, because it seems so cliche now, because everything has copied from this film. So it's like, oh, I have massive respect for this film, but today's audience, I don't know how they'll feel about it. They go, oh, it's, it's, you know. It's the
0: OG. I mean, to be fair. So Laurie, who directed this film, um, he made this film. And while it didn't directly inspire Godzilla, it certainly had its place in making Godzilla happen. Lori then later saw Godzilla and made Gorgo. So at least two films borrowed from the uh, Retosaurus masterpiece that is Beast from 20,000 Fathoms and the radioactive monster trope that uh, came after it. It was just like a slew of pictures after this because it worked, it did. And while this isn't the first film that Ray did the special effects for, it is one of the first ones where he is prominently credited as doing the special oh, okay. effects. Because he did do uh, Mighty Joe Young, a few other little bits and bobs before that.
1: Okay, so this was like his, his promotion or his um, the, the moment that he, he was, was known for special yeah. effects. Yeah,
0: so this film is actually a really lovely story when you think about it. So The Loose Concept is based on the Ray Bradbury story, The Foghorn. If you haven't read the short story, The Foghorn, it's really cool. It's essentially about two guys in a lighthouse. They're running the foghorn because it's a foggy night, and that's what you do at at a lighthouse. That's your job. But The Foghorn resembles a call of an ancient creature, and this creature rises up from the deep looking for a mate and is somewhat... Disgruntled to find this foghorn. That's not a maze. Yeah, this this is not what it was looking for. The story goes on. I won't spoil it for you. But the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms was inspired by this story, and indeed, there is a lighthouse scene in the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms. Yeah. Now, Ray was asked to do the special, or not Ray? Yeah, Ray Harryhausen. Two Rays in this story. Ray Harryhausen was asked to do the special effects for this film, and when he was looking at it, he was just like hold the phone. So he called up his friend, Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury and Ray Harryhausen were actually childhood friends, which is really wonderful. And um, anyway, because they're both pillars of science fiction, really. But uh, Ray called up other Ray and said, hey, you should check this out. And they kind of pieced together between themselves that you know Ray Bradbury was like, oh, it kind of resembles what I did. And then Warner Brothers was just like, oh, sorry about that. We, oh yeah, we loved your story. And then, you know, I kind of wanted to make a film. Would you you mind doing the treatment for us? Would you write the script? So Ray Bradbury came up with a lot of what was happening in this film and his friend Ray Harryhausen did the special effects for it. So these two guys that grew up loving dinosaurs, science fiction, all that good stuff, they ended up making this movie together and you can see a lot like once you know that story and you watch the film there's just a lot of love and a lot of passion and it's just a really fun story that revolves around this film but yeah it's it's a it's a fantastic film i mean for the for 1953 it was really ahead of its time in my opinion because what have we got in it? Like we've got, we've got the radioactive monster, you know, which would become, you know, fairly common. We have great special effects. And then we've got an added kicker. We've got the disease, which I think is a very subtle nod. Like that takes it in a whole different direction. Doesn't it?
1: I think. Every, pretty much everything about this film. Is cleverly done. Um, as you say, because it's. I mean, yeah, it's an atomic bomb, isn't it? That, that's um, I mean, it melts the ice caps, doesn't it? I think that's been been encased. It's like
0: yeah, so they're doing they're doing an atomic weapons test in yeah. It, me- it... it seems like Alaska, to be fair. So like okay, it, yeah, the near melts. the Antarctic Circle, we set off an atomic weapon. Whatever creature is released from its too poor state. A couple of scientists are in the wrong place, the wrong time. One of the scientists dies. The other one sees the thing. Everybody thinks he's crazy. He, do, winds yeah. up in New- he winds up in New York. Everybody still thinks he's crazy, but he is adamant. He's seen this thing. But then, so, then full- the
1: um, it um attacks a sea uh, a boat, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So he's up.
0: lying in bed, seeing all these newspaper yeah. clippings saying, like, Guys, <laughs> see, I told you, I told you the news.
1: <laughs> and they're like, oh, he's crazy as well
0: yeah yeah all these people are everyone's crazy. just crazy
1: seeing this creature and then yeah someone um who is it
0: someone takes a punt on this guy someone's story. like actually it's, yeah, a, pale- this it's seems- a paleontological assistant and she's just like hey i attended one of your lectures i know you're not an idiot they also kind of seem to like kind of romantically enjoy each other's company as well but um she's a paleontology department assistant and she's just like, look, I'm going to give you a bunch of pictures to rifle through when you find the prehistoric, when you find the prehistoric creature that you saw or something close to, let me know. The other guys that picks out that same image out of like a host of other pictures, two corroborative eyewitness eyewitnesses. That's not too bad. We can make a legitimate, you know, like search for this thing happen. So Bob's your uncle, obviously it's the same creature. They both pull out the same picture and they go looking for it. A Kindly paleontologist, absolutely lovely guy, believes their story, makes it happen, gets eaten. Anyways, the creature is still headed towards uh, New York where it comes ashore. Basically, we have the Godzilla 1998 plot minus the hatchlings. But what's really cool is when they wound this creature, its blood contains a virus which infects people. And they're just like, oh dear, we really need to kill this thing because if it keeps spreading this disease, that's a bad thing. This is quite topical considering the pandemic has uh, just, well, it's still lingering with some of us, but
1: yeah, it's still bad. anyway, but it's, it's great that it's not just a case of, Oh, we need to kill this creature. It's we got to kill yeah, it, it, it's kill not it just carefully. A, it's not just
0: yeah, we it's can't just, like just it's a monster.
1: Yeah. We can't just blow it up because then the blood will go everywhere and that will spread the disease. God knows how far in the wind and stuff. But wow. They really thought about this you know it's quite quite deep so for for a giant monster film you think oh this is actually quite clever so yeah it's a smart it's a smart first film isn't it
0: yeah so that you can kind of see some workings of godzilla in this so you've got the creature that's freed by an atomic explosion yeah and then whereas godzilla was radioactive which is its own absolutely terrible thing arguably worse than the natural born (laughs) virus, Um, you have the virus, which the beast spreads. And the beast, it makes, you know, it has some daylight appearance, but that's brief. The majority of the scenes also take place at night. And it also has a very iconic death at Coney Island amidst the uh, roller coaster, which is on fire, which is a very charismatic end, I must say, especially when the Warner Brothers logo comes up over, you know, like the now dead creature, that's kind of like where it starts to roll credits, but the whole film from start to finish doesn't really have any slow spaces. I think it's very tight in the way that it moves the story along. It's not to the point where they don't give a bit of exhibition or expose, we'll just call it that, you know, it's just, everything in the film has a reason and the reason is to move the plot along, make it seem credible and just produce a wonderful story there's just no fat there are no real loose ends in this film did you feel that when you were watching it i
1: would say that i i mean it's only about an hour 20 minutes hour 30 minutes Mm-hmm. it's now 20. It's, it's not a long film. Um, the only bit that I thought you could actually just chop out if you really wanted to would be the the back and forth of, well, not even the back and forth, it's just, oh, you're crazy. And then the other guy, oh, you're crazy. Oh, no, here's some pictures. You could probably chop like 20 minutes off of that if you wanted to.
0: Yeah, but I think but other that than, lends credibility know, to the story itself. I know, so they're like, trying to
1: make it look realistic. That they actually, yeah, if someone said they've seen a, a beast, of course you're not going to believe it. I know it, it's it's adding to the realism. They're going through the motions. That's but um, that's the only place that I'll go. Actually, yeah, there's there's not much again, happening there.
0: It's it's, it's kind of like Godzilla '98. I mean, you, you know, you have the single survivor of the sh- of the incident, and then Jean Reno comes in with his lighter lighter, and he goes, "What did you see, old man?" And then it's just Godzilla. You know, like it's the same thing. Only our protagonist, he is. He, he he was left a little bit better off than that fellow in '98 <laughs> film. Let's just say that. But I also like that we have a strong female protagonist yeah. in this film. Like she is arguably just as clever as he is. I think that she does a fantastic job. So Miss Ryan, I think, is played by Paula Hall, and she does a fantastic job of doing a paleontologist assistant. Coming up with some credible ways to, you know, like discover the identity of this creature. She's she's using like scientific methods. Like, let's prove it. You know, like I don't think you're an idiot, but you know, like nobody else is giving you the time of day. Let's go for it. So again, it, it, she's coming up with like real credible stuff. And in the 1950s, in a science fiction picture, you just don't see that as often. I think that's a really wonderful thing, and it's kind of like what Julie Andrews did in uh the creature from the black lagoon again she's a credible ichthyologist like she knows what she's talking about she's gorgeous but you know
1: yes yeah, same time herself.
0: she's yeah. just as clever so i really like <clears throat> that we have you know that inclusion of a strong female character as well she's not just eye candy she actually knows what she's talking about and she's helping discover the identity of this beast for Twenty Thousand pounds. fun fact though so <clears throat> fathom is a measuring of depth. And 20,000 fathoms is equal to about 23 miles. The deepest point in the ocean is about seven miles. So there's a slight exaggeration to how deep this creature originates from. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Just oh, a yeah, bit of a bit just, of acknowledgment
1: I'll throw out a few tidbits that I found when when browsing wikipedia about this then um on the movie poster and originally planned he was going to have some sort of like atomic breath or at least flames come out of his snout and that obviously never came to be but it was used in publicity and apparently that did go on to inspire godzilla's atomic breath hmm. so, so 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 Wikipedia. he was supposed
0: tells- to have a beak originally too yeah <laughs> just it. Have a we'll beak. call it an it we don't know
1: it's a it or she. And um, so it's, it is the first the first film to feature a giant monster that's been awoken by an atomic blast. So it, this is the first, and the OG. it's the OG. And during the production of Godzilla, the pre published story was titled "The Giant Monster from Twenty Thousand Miles Under the Sea," which sounds quite far now, Joe, That you said that it's actually only seven miles.
0: Yeah, the the max depth recorded in the Marianas Trench is seven miles. Well, nobody likes to exaggerate in the fifties, no. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so
1: this film because I remember you say Gorgo and um, them with the giant ants and all and Godzilla, all these films then started here. It's it's I mean it's that important for um, kaiju history.
0: So there are three films that I will argue all kaiju films all giant monster films over their roots in the first is the 1925 film the lost world so it's a silent movie it's black and white it uses stop motion animation by willis o'brien and it features dinosaurs it was the first movie to feature dinosaurs and people thought that they were real dinosaurs back in the day listen that's great they still look pretty good to be perfectly honest, whoever did that did a good job considering the limitation. This was, this was before they could put sound to a motion picture <laughs> and they had nice looking dinosaurs on there. So we have The Lost World and then King Kong in 1933, the masterpiece, Willis O'Brien, like amazing. Um, and then we have The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Like those three we owe a lot to them. And this film is just so solid for what it is. There, there's not really an like there's no idiot scientist in this film. Now, arguably, you know, like whoever in the military decided to drop a bomb at that particular place in time would kind of blame them for all the terrible events that took place in this film. And we could label that person a scientist. However, all the scientists in this film are passionate intelligent individuals trying to come up with ways to mediate the amount of damage that is being done by this creature. So from that standpoint, it gets like a scientist A+. The creature, the Redosaurus, which is a name that was coined, we don't definitively know where the name come from. Redo in Welsh means to come or to approach, and Saurus means to Well, it doesn't mean to anything. It means lizard. So we kind of have a weird mixture of things, but we think the R and the H, or at least that has, according to popular myth, been attributed to Rh's to Ray Harryhausen. So we don't know where that name came from, but the Retosaurus itself is a very well-designed creature. So it has a lot of elements. You can tell that it's just kind of a traditional, like, wingless dragon, really. I mean, if you, if you put wings, like bat wings, on the back of the retosaurus, it would just be like a really lovely dragon. Um, Ray Bradbury had originally intended the retosaurus to have larger eyes. The spikes in the back would have been a bit bigger. And it would have had a beak. So it was originally meant to look quite different. And the facial structure, the first model that he did, actually it had a bit bigger eyes and it was a bit more... The snout wasn't as long and he wasn't quite satisfied with that particular ratosaurus so we went back and reworked it made the snout a little bit longer and he gave the brows of the eyes a bit different look so that it looked like it was a bit more ferocious and in some of the lighting in the movie the eyes the eyebrows work in just such a way that they like cover or they give shadow to the eyes so the tyrannosaurus rex in jurassic park employed a very similar system so It had dark striping around its eyes, and then Rexy's brows come out. So they create kind of a shadow, which makes the creature look a little bit more menacing, and Ray Harryhausen employed that for the Retosaurus. So it's a very neat creature. The other thing that like the Retosaurus has, which I think is a fantastic example of Ray Harryhausen looking to real anatomy, is it has osteoderms. So if you've seen the back of a crocodile or an alligator, those little pebbly bumps, those are bits of bone underneath the skin. So some Archosaurs had these crocodiles and alligators and caimans and garals being, you know, the like that still have them today. But this is like armor plating. And the retosaurus has this armor plating on his skin. So when they say, like, oh, it would take a six-inch skull, you know, six-inch shell to get through his skull and all that stuff, like they really are talking sense because it has bone plating. Like, this is a tough ombre, really, the retosaurus, And the fact that it has it on its belly as well means that he's protected top and bottom. There's no getting around it. I also love the spikes. They are very stylized. Um, Something that's been employed by paleo artists for who knows how long is just adding spikes or ridges spikes along the back. You see them in Godzilla. The Giganotosaurus in the newest Jurassic World movie has them. They just they give that flair and i think it's really fantastic the tail has um a few big spikes toward the tail end just to give it that extra flourish and he he's a great character the red sorry again it the redosaurus it in and of itself is a great character because it has such a large repertoire of sounds and emotive mannerisms so at one point the national guard or the local militia local military they've set up like an electric perimeter around where this creature's being corralled and the redosaurus comes up and touches the wire and you can see it like shake its paw and it makes like a plaintive sound i it, it sounds like a sound that was ta- taken from like a neighing horse that was trying to get free of its reins but you just see, like, I am not impressed with this small wire. Like, what is this thing? I am I am the one that's large and in charge. Ow, my hand hurts. What is this? And then it storms off into the night. That was really great. And then as it's, like, it's been shot and it's burning to death in the roller coaster in Coney Island, like, that was a fantastic scene to, like, show it, you know, like, again, being very emotive and what ray harryhausen did is he gave this creature personality it's such a fantastic film for that we have one creature one by ray harryhausen and he puts everything into it it's just so spectacular to see i can't recommend the beast from 20000 fathoms enough so you really can't you Joe? you love this no film. no i i really can't it is a fantastic film and it's a fantastic film that is easy to obtain so Joe's got the lowdown on this film right now. So you can rent this off of Amazon. If you're in the UK like us, it costs £2.50 to rent. And if you're on Prime and you want like the digital version, it's 6 99 to buy. So we'll call it seven quid. You can get a DVD for as low as £7.17. You can get the Blu-ray for 17 49 And just to throw this out there, um, HMV actually has a special collector's edition. So if that's up your alley and you haven't purchased it yet, H- the HMV one comes with the DVD, the Blu-ray, a little booklet. I mean, it's, it's a little bit more than chapters, but it gives you like a few things. And, uh, it also comes with beast from 20,000 fathoms postcards as well. And the DVD, um, in of itself, like the actual discs and the Blu-ray they have the logo in the font that's used on the poster and then on the blu-ray it's got a really nice like picture of the Retosaurus as well it's it's a blue color and then the Retosaurus and the logo are in white and it's just really neat to see you know like a publisher going that extra mile to make sure that uh, a special edition looks crisp and great but It is a readily available film. It's one of those perks of of discussing a classic on this podcast. You can see it. It is easy to find. And what's even better is now there is some merch finally coming out about it. But before we talk about that, we're going to take another break because I need to take a breath. Hello, and welcome back to episode 92 of Kaiju Curry House. We're talking beast from 20,000 fathoms, the Retosaurus. I've been waffling on, and Paul has been patiently listening. He told me a lot about aliens early on in this podcast, so I'm getting him back oh. now by talking Retosaurus. So, I mentioned in the last segment before we took our break, that there's been some merch developments for the Retosaurus. So, there were always a few model kits kind of like floating around about it. However, Star Ace slash X plus have really gifted us with some fantastic merch for the Redosaurus. It is the best so far, arguably the best that there will ever be. So you need to pay attention to it. If you love this movie, you need to get it now while stuff's in stock. So Star Ace has been releasing the Ray Harryhausen models. They've done a few now, Talos, the Cyclops, the Redosaurus itself, They've taken, they're they starting to take orders at the current time of this podcast for a Pegasus. They've got a life-size Bubo, which we suggested to them on this podcast and they took us up on. So you definitely need to buy that to give us some cred. Anyways, I'm going to talk to you about the Redisaurus models that they have put out. So what I've done is I've taken some videos of my model. I went with the deluxe black and white version. So Star Ace came out with some 30 centimeter versions of the Retosaurus. There are a few different ones. So there's a color version and there's a black and white version and then there's a deluxe version of each of those options. So four choices in total on that. Now, what do you get with a deluxe version? So the deluxe version comes with a little base. So in the film, the Retosaurus steps on a car. So what you get when you get the Retosaurus deluxe version is you get like a little base for him. He doesn't need it to stand up. I will will say that now. It's really awesome the way that the sculpt works. So he's kind of rearing up on his hind legs. His tail bounces out his front half. He kind of sits on his tail, you know, as a kind of a tripod arrangement as far as the model is arranged. But the car that he is stepping on has some rubble around it. And the car is squashed underneath one of his paws, which is a great homage to the film. And then it has the Ray Harryhausen logo that Michael Tharm, who is a friend of our podcast and our group, designed, which is really cool. And as I got the black and white version, because I'm a stickler for detail, he wasn't colored in the film. I wanted mine to be black and white because that is how I envisioned the creature. It's really fantastic. So he is rearing up paws in the air if you got the deluxe version one of them is resting on a smash car it's smashed under his weight he is snarling mouth open fangs bared the tongue is coming up and it's great his the, the spiky ridges along his head neck and back they're fantastic the tail is segmented so the model comes in three pieces if you got a deluxe two if you got a standard the two pieces of the Retosaurus are basically the Retosaurus and then his tail. But, and this is awesome because the way that Ray Harryhausen designed the Retosaurus, is his tail has like these segmented sections. He did it later on with the dragon in the seventh voyage of Sinbad. So, in these tail segments, Star Ace slash X plus have hidden where the seam is, you can hardly see it, if at all, because it fits in so nicely with the way that these tail sections are arranged. So his long old tail hides it beautifully. Now, one of the really cool things, one of the best features of this figure, in my opinion, are the osteoderms. I spoke about them earlier in the last section when I was describing how the creature looks. Now, this old beast, has osteoderms and again if you've ever seen the back of a crocodile or an alligator you're going to look at the belly of this beast figure and go i'll be darned that's where ray got it and they look gorgeous the wrinkles the folds dry brushing it's brilliant even his little ears on the end of his skull i mean like they captured every essence of it The pupils are great it's just a great figure so I got the black and white. The one that's colored is greenish, um, kind of an olive green with yellow hi- yellow and red highlights. It mimics the poster art of the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. There are a couple of posters flying around, but the colored green one with red and orange highlights, that's the one that they went with. So those are the larger models. What they've also gifted us with is a defo real figure so there's a standard defo reel, and then there is the deluxe defo real if you want to call it that so the deluxe version it comes and the retasaurus is roaring so mouth open he spends most of the picture with his mouth open so you want to get that one to be fair it'll cost you a little bit more but it's worth it the other version is just simply him with his mouth closed and he does not look very impressed with you he's just kind of like staring like your cat does if you have a cat it's just like large human why have you trapped me here like that's really what it looks like and um there are colored and black and white versions of that figure as well now additionally to make this even better say you can't splurge out on that so this retosaurus here it was a passion figure for me. I got it at the time of release. It cost me roughly 300 quid to get it into the United Kingdom, which is hurtful. I got mine from Awesome Collectors, so I was able to pay it in installments, which was great, but the customs charge hit me. So, ugh, I also went deluxe. So that's as expensive as it's really gonna get, folks. However, if you don't wanna shell out that much and you're cleverer than I am, you can get the model kit. Now, the model kit, it depends which retailer you're going to, but I have seen it as low as $90. Now, bear in mind, you will need glue. You will need some painting skill. But if you just want to paint it black and white like my deluxe version is, it won't come with the car, I grant you. But all you really got to do is if you want to, you glue on the tail. It's a vinyl model kit. so. you you can glue on or you can attach the tail. You gotta glue the mouth together and stuff like that. His limbs need to be glued on the like. But if you take, you know, a little bit of charcoal gray and then some gray proper and maybe a little white for highlights, you will have essentially the same black and white model. And I think it's a fantastic option that Star Ace has given us in that respect. I think that that's a really wonderful thing to do for fans that want a Retosaurus but can't shell out that amount of money. Now, what I will say to people that are hearing like $90, like in America or in the UK, even that's a lot of money to spend on a model kit. It actually isn't. It is a lot of money, but comparatively, what you normally spend on a model kit of that quality, like say a resin kit or A vinyl kit from japan you'll be spending a lot more so it's actually reasonably priced within the market that it's actually in now a lot of the retailers that are selling these there's a potential that you could get it on a payment plan as well so if you do your sniffing around again if you email awesome collector and ask jason welling who like you know he he runs that site If you ask him can you get a hold of this are there payment options available he's a lovely guy and i know he'll work with you he's fantastic so that's the option that i would take but we have nine options to get you a retasaurus in there so and that's from one company so i can't stress enough how wonderful it is that star Ace have released this figure so I've given Paul a couple of pictures and a couple of videos, which have hopefully been playing the whole time that I've been talking about this fantastic figure. Um, so enjoy those to your heart's content. Um, I hope that you do get the chance to pick up the figure. If any of these images you know, did inspire you, say, hey, I'm gonna spend a load of money on something that I totally don't need, but I want. Let me know. I need friends to you know, support my addiction you know to like enable me so it's really important that you know like you let me know that yes you did the thing but yeah paul thoughts
1: the model looks amazing it really does and it i'm does, so yeah. glad you went black and white because the color right i mean no you watched the film in black and white why do you want a color version
0: it's funny so at one point someone did decide to colorize the beast from 20,000 fathoms and I'm pretty sure that at some point Ray saw that and was like, you kidding me? <laughs> because it's not widely known and it's not widely shown, but the people who did colorize it gave him kind of like a peanut butter brown. Like that's what color they gave the beast. And I mean, like even myself, like I don't like colorized stuff, but I'm just thinking like, really? You made it brown? Just like, just like peanut butter? Really? Now, I suppose, however, that it's worth saying that um, the Beast was used later on in a Ray Harryhausen film. Um, gosh, what is it? Uh, do, 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 do. Trying to think of it now. He was he was used... Um,
1: in another film. But do you know what, Joe, while you're thinking of that, this film was made on a budget of $200,000 and made a box office of $5 million. So, this film made so much money. I think that's another reason why it kickstarted the whole Atomic Monster thing because there's a lot of money to be made.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thought that film yet?
0: Ah, oh, I'm, I'm actually trying to look it up because no. it's there okay. Is, I'm, on there's
1: the DVD. A young... I'm, I'm going re- to tell you about the DVD. Okay. Because on the back, it's got a quote. And you know, the quotes are normally like must see film, 10 mm-hmm. out of 10. This is one of the worst quotes, I think. I don't know why they chose this, but it's... The, the the quote to make you watch this film is exciting special effects by Ray Harryhausen. A lively climax in an amusement park. I mean... That does not make me want to see the film. If that's the best they've got. So I just wanted to say that before the end of the episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Right, so it well actually i guess you could say the redosaurus is actually seen in the seventh voyage of sinbad because ray harryhausen cannibalized parts of that model for the seventh voyage of sinbad Uh. so um the ray harryhausen oh so this is another funny anecdote so the Retosaurus had a puppet for close-up scenes and it's seen basically through windows one was in the boat were it subsequently destroyed and the others in a lighthouse, which it subsequently destroyed. Ray Harryhausen hated that damn puppet. He did not like it at all. It's only used for two scenes in that movie, but he let everybody know that he was just not <laughs> impressed. So the film that I was thinking of is called Planet of the Dinosaurs. So the Redosaurus is used out and out. Um it is dispatched by the Tyrannosaurus Rex in that film, and the um, person who's directing it did say that that would have been a young Retosaurus. He just wanted to give, you know, like it that standout because it had been an inspiration to him. So it was included in the film because he loved the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms so much. But the version T Rex takes out is a adolescent to young version because an adult version would have been big enough to eat the T Rex proper. So. The Redosaurus has gotten around a little bit. They're like the dragon in Simbad, and some Voyage of Simbad, is essentially the Redosaurus. And I know that because I went to the Ray Harryhausen exhibition in Edinburgh and I got to see what little bit is left of our fella. He is pretty much a head now. It's funny because the dragon is in a similar state. So the dragon and the retosaurus both ended up as just heads that were left um and they're a little bit unnerving to look at honestly they have like these bug eyes and then they have like these red gums with white teeth so uh yeah they are still in existence i was lucky enough to get to see them and this wall just it's one of my favorite films and i think it's a classic it's one of those films that's up there with me with the original godzilla creature from the black lagoon king kong and beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms that they're just quintessential sci-fi movies for me they're just exciting they're fun and they also give you a little bit to think about at the same time
1: well okay joe you have gushed about this film um i think yeah it's time, I, I hijacked this one folks i I'm think sorry. it's time we come to an end um i do i'll just I'm just saying, breathing now i'm just really sat here reading my dvd while you're while you're <laughs> on um and I just, I just want to read it out and I'm pretty sure they've made some mistakes here, but you, you can correct me. Um, the beast from 20,000 Fath- Fath- fathoms is a film of firsts. It spawned a new era of atomic age creature features. Yep. Yeah. Um, it was the first screen adaptation of a work by fantasy fiction, Titan Ray Bradbury. That's true. I'm assuming that's true. Um, that's true. It, mar- it marked the first time Ray Harryhausen had total control over special effects it's true and this is the bit he came up with a fantastic creature constructed at full scale all 50 tons of it so he made a life-size model of this <laughs> i thought that seemed a bit wrong it, it just it consists constructed at full scale and for
0: what I'm tempted that to send up John Walsh to find out who at the Ray Harryhausen Foundation came up with that one to let them who, say okay. Who approved but this? That's <laughs> not true. That's not true.
1: I like it's got take a classic ride, unleash the beast. But uh, yeah, that... Unleash
0: the beast. We've got it, folks. Uh... That is the episode title now. <laughs> the one where we unleash the, the beast. beast yes. Ah, uh, I love it. Uh... Paul, recommendations.
1: Right. Well, for those who do not know, Alien Day, or Aliens Day, will soon be upon us. It's the 26th of April. So in the American date format, um, 426, because they landed on LV426. Nice,
0: that's where that comes from.
1: That's where that comes from. So please go and enjoy Aliens on, or at least around uh, the 26th of April. Mm. Joe, if nothing else
0: if nothing else i'm obviously going to recommend the beast from 20,000 fathoms if you trust my judgment i have spoken at length about the creature from the black lagoon i will always recommend that movie and for some reason it gives me similar vibes i don't know if if you if you can add credence to that i Paul. mean
1: it's it's black and white and again it's one of those it's from the before it was it was yeah.
0: really the year after that creature from the black lagoon even came out but uh, yeah, I'll I'll recommend those two uh, films for tonight. What I'm also going to say, folks, anyone who loves our podcast, we now have a web shop where you can buy our merch. So we've got jackets, we've got hoodies, we've got backpacks, we've got a plushie. Come on, folks, <laughs> throw us a phone. Buy our merch, send us pictures. We love it. You're so wholesome and so are we. Anyways. I will end this episode where I've waffled on and tortured poor Paul. <laughs> you don't have to pretend, Paul. Come on now. No, but uh, tears are real. I'm sorry, Paul. Anyways, thank you so much for joining us tonight, folks. And as always, keep it kaiju. so good i'm so glad that i got the uh black and white version too oh yeah that's the way to go so much easier to dust seriously (laughs) like the dust you, you can't tell you can't tell no who's gonna know nobody's gonna know you never know